When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated, like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount, at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Welcome to The Blue Room. This is your weekly show. I am joined by Mike Diaccia. For those of you watching us live on YouTube, uh, welcome. Get involved in the conversation and moan about the weather, moan about everything. Moan about whatever you want. Um, Mike, anything in particular you're moaning about today? Um, I'm going with the weather. Don't like it. It's too hot. I just, I'll never, ever like, I'll never like hot weather, ever. No matter where I am in the world, even if someone says, we're going to go away, we're going to have a lovely time somewhere that's dead nice, and if it's over 22 degrees, I'm out. Hate it. I think that's probably about my benchmark as well, to be honest, mm-hmm. 22. I think it's, that, that's, that's about as much you can sit out in. It gets more than that. Just absolutely no chance. Honestly, I had a nap before I woke up feeling like a hot water bottle. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, and I think I've got my laptop here as well because it's like streaming on YouTube. It's very warm, so I've got the heat oh. radiating off that. The heat from outside on this window here. And I was just saying to you before we started then, wear a grey t-shirt to do this, <laughs> to broadcast it live on the internet. May prove to be a bit of a mistake. Uh, maybe we should have just kept it behind uh, yeah, on audio only, even. Uh, but yeah, we are here to talk about a few different things when it comes to Everton. Um, because me and Mike are on, obviously, you know, maybe more than some of the other Blue Room contributors, we are into our European football. I thought it would be a good opportunity to, to look at some of the teams of a you know, similar sort of stature to Everton in European football in terms of club names um, and reputation. Uh, who are doing really well at the moment. The likes of Atlanta, who are playing PSG. In the Champions League quarterfinals tonight. If you listen to this on the podcast, if they got knocked out and got battered, just discount that because they've been great all season. Um, certainly RB Leipzig as well, who are also in the quarterfinal. Sevilla, who again got to a European semi final um, on Tuesday night when they beat Wolverhampton Wanderers. 
Um, and I'm sort of asking the question if they can do it and they can continue to do it, why can't Everton? Um, so it'd be interested to get Mike's thoughts on that as well. Let us know your thoughts, of course. Um, well, first things first, Mike, um, we, we did try our best to get Kiva Zool on today, didn't we? But um, unfortunately, given the, the nature of his transfer exclusives and the popularity he's got over the last couple of days, he's, he's unfortunately not been able to make it. You know what, someone with that sort of reputation in the game, what can you say? The, the, the time is very, very precious. I'm sure he's busy out there at the minute covering all things Newcastle United. So, you know, I'm sure he'll pop his head above the parapet soon. Do you know what, though? In, in all seriousness, and I know, obviously, we'll be looking at this and, and we know Chico and <laughs> all sorts of stuff he gets up to. I think the fact that not just our fan base latched onto this, the same portion of our fan base latched onto this, and sort of ran with it. Which, you know, there's rumours accounts, wasn't there, tweeting various things about the disinterest there. But Newcastle fans as well, I think it just sort of sums up the, the need of the Monday football fans to cling on to absolutely anything when there's a void of transfer news or just, or just football at the moment. I think that, that it's almost the, the environment in which the transfer guru sort of just thrives, isn't it? Is that desperation for some sort of news, some sort of click and... What can you say? Chico's just once again doing his best to emulate what Stamp has done before him and has somehow managed to wangle his way into a full Twitter discourse once more. One of the greats. One of the greats, absolutely. Uh, one of the other things I want to speak about as, as well, Mike, uh, new kit. Uh, you a fan of that one? You like it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I am. I am. Um, you know me, I, I, I could not talk very long about football kits unless they are absolutely lovely um, in this sense. It's a football kit, it's blue and the other one's amber and that makes me quite happy, I'm alright with that. Just give me the amber socks with the blue kit, that's what I want. Is there a situation where we could, maybe could wear that? I think because I think, they usually go, because we do actually have um, blue socks sometimes, don't we? At some venues we go blue, white, blue. Yeah, I don't like, do you know what, I, there's something I don't, people seem to love the all blue against like United and, and Spare, I don't, I don't, I don't know, it's just, I just, I, I just don't like it very much, it's just a bit Chelsea for me, I'm not, not a big fan, but um, I do, I would absolutely love, in those situations, playing teams with white socks, like United's, like Spurs's, when you go away there, it's just, back on the blue kit, back on the amber socks, go on. Attention <laughs> in the 1960s and it'll all be fine. Yeah, uh, I've seen it in, in the shop and stuff as well. And, you know, in, in person, it does look a lot better. Um, I think she mentioned this last week as well in regards to some of the stuff going on with the club and the badges falling off. Apparently, it's not been as many as documented. I think a lot of people have sort of jumped on this bandwagon in the hope of trying to get a, a bit of free clobber every now and then. But, uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not quite as bad as documented. Although I've seen it a few more in regards to the quality issues with Hormel, so fingers crossed again, they are just a minority, but um, I think if you get the kit and you get the right version of the kit, uh, you're probably going to be happy. Um, and just in, in general, Mike, as well, um, like I said, there's no transfer seemingly on the horizon. Uh, Hoiberg is, is, is a Tottenham Hotspur player, surprise, surprise. Uh, I don't think anyone saw that, saw that one coming at all. Uh, Gabriel, yeah, call me shocked. Yeah, uh, Gabriel Magalhaes hasn't made his mind up. Um, who knows what he's been up to? Um, just keeps posting random pictures on his Twitter feed that people are trying to read too much into. I think, don't they? Honestly, his his time frame of a week is like Narnia. 
<laughs> Honestly, I, I feel like every week for the past six weeks I've heard he just he's gonna have a have a week here and he'll decide in a week. Honestly, he'll end up coming back with like his mate Prince Caspian, some lion he's mates with now, covered in snow. <laughs> I would love that. And if anyone's from the clubs, if anyone's from the clubs watching this and we do sign and there's your announcement video, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I oh, know, but I mean, are you, are you getting worried yet, or are you sort of, just, you know, I mean, I, I know you don't worry about it. I can't imagine you being kept up at night by the fact that Everton haven't signed players. But you know, in in context, are you, are you concerned that the club aren't making moves yet, or you know, I've seen a piece um, today from the, the someone from the Daily Telegraph effectively saying, you know, this is unprecedented for everybody, and there's there's a reason why clubs are taking longer to figure out how much they should, should spend on players. There's a reason why clubs are taking a bit longer to decide whether they should sell somebody and what the right price for them is and that sort of, sort of thing. You know, it feels only natural that unless you can just go to a club like uh, Leipzig, which Chelsea did with Werner, or like Ajax, which Chelsea did with Zayac, and say, here's the money you want, we'll have him, thank you. It's going to be a lot harder for everybody. Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think less concerned, more frustrated in that sort of Baruch Assault way that I described a few weeks ago, where I, I want players through the door and I want them now because I'm an absolute child when it comes to Everton. I just want them to be brilliant now. And I think we're all a little bit like that. Um, but I think you are right in the sense that those players who may be on the fringes of every single team, who teams can possibly sell at the moment, what's a good deal for them now? We we, we don't, don't really know. Like, do you know if... Let's say, for argument's sake, Fabian Delph. An offer comes in for four million quid. Is that a good deal in this market? I don't know. I'd probably sell him for two pickled eggs and a pack of Betty Salted McCoys. But um, there must be a lot of teams out there who either had negotiated deals, whether it's Everton with Gabriel, whether it's United with Sancho. And those teams, if obviously excluding United, Loads of teams who had done the groundwork for this summer back in, I don't know, let's say November, December time and really laid the foundations of what would be next summer. Those plans kind of really just have been thrown up in the air. So the the revenues that would have been coming in almost guaranteed now are a lot more shaky. So I can understand it when, when you take a step back and really do realise that it's not Everton being lax or slow, it's more of a case of absolutely everyone having no idea what's going on in this market. And unless you are a Manchester City or a Chelsea and you have that bank of money to always just go, I can pull this out. Doesn't matter if I've overspent by 20 million on Nathan Ake because I would have done that anyway just to get him in through the door really quickly because that's what those teams can do. Like value for money for Manchester City and to an extent Chelsea and to an extent United, uh, you aren't really governed by transfer fees. It's more, is the player doing okay? And it's not relative to the actual fee that's brought in. Is the player just doing okay? I think Nicolas Pepe is a really good example of that. And Kepper as well. It's just, it's not about the money. Like if you look at Everton and the scrutiny they are under for Jordan Pickford, and it's like, well, it was a lot of money. And if you look at the context of his performances, and then you compare that to Kepa and the context of his performances for over double the fee. I think that not enough is made of that. And the reason not enough is made of that is because it doesn't matter. Whereas for Everton, it really does matter. 
And that's why, unless you are part of that like megalithic level of club, then you are going to have to really wait it out and wait for the dominoes to fall and wait for the first team. And hopefully that is the likes of Spurs and Southampton getting deals done for Kyle Walker-Peters and Hoiberg and those sorts of deals. Because suddenly you can then point to other little deals and see how they've gone before then actually deciding, well, maybe is this a good deal? Is this a bad deal for us? So you would hope as the dominoes start to fall over the next couple of weeks, we'll see a little bit more movement throughout the league. Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat, mate. You know, I think... I've probably been able to zone out away from the rumours easier this summer than I have for for a long time. You know, at the moment, if I see something about Gabriel come up or I see something about, you know, Hoiberg a couple of weeks ago, you know, I think it's, I've sort of found it easy to just go, well, I'm just going to leave that. I'm not going to click on that. I'm not going to read that because it's, it's probably going to take a while. And while there's frustration, obviously, and, you know, we all know there's a lot of work to do with this squad and I'm sure the manager and the director of football will be keen to get on. It's not going to be easy to sign players in this market because Everton haven't got that much money. It's a different market for everybody. And ultimately, you might just have to be a little bit patient um, before we do see some faces through the door. Um, I had one comment on YouTube. Uh, Sam Johnson said, blue shirt, white shorts, navy socks is the way forward. Yeah, not sure on that. Mike's, Mike's given, for those who listen to the podcast, Mike's given a quizzical look. If you watch it on YouTube, yeah. just, 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 just give us three colours. Is it blue, white, white? Is it blue, blue, blue? Blue, white, blue? Blue, white, amber? Just let us know what, 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 what colours you want in which respective parts of the kit. Green. I want it all to be green. Just, all green. Go, just go out there. Be weird. Be absolutely mental with it. and just... I can't think of a team that plays in all green. That's a good point, actually. Not can I? Maybe Her- the Hercules in um, Spain. Where the Bremen? Where the Bremen, yeah. So give us your free colours for the kit and any teams that are playing all... Because Plymouth are playing green and white shorts, don't they? But not all green. Yeah. Yeah. Give us your all green teams and your free colours anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. um, moving on then, uh, like I said, Mike, one of the things I want to speak about today with you um, is those teams you mentioned in Europe. European football. So anyone who's just just come onto this stream, I was effectively saying earlier on that um, one of the big stories in the Champions League tonight is that Atlanta or Atalanta are, uh, made a fantastic run to the quarterfinals. Um, quite a team from a modest background in Spain, a side that were sort of mid-table to European football not too long ago. Sorry, mid-table to about seventh, eighth, they were finished about the highest, was it, Mike? Not not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, and in recent years, they've catapulted up to a team that were Juventus' closest challenges for long spells in Serie A this season, and now in the, the best eight sides in European football. Um, and also look at Leipzig, who are in the quarterfinals of the... Um, Champions League for the first time as well. They play Atletico Madrid. I think that's on Saturday night, I think they're playing, but I'm not entirely sure. Mike's nodding, so I'm going to go with, yeah. Um, and, of course, Sevilla, who beat Wolves on Tuesday, um, and they've probably won about a million Europa Leagues in the last 10 years, but they're always there. They're always doing things in the right way. And, like, like I said, I think at the start, Mike, it's, you sort of look at those sides and you, you think about their, the money they spent, you think about their status in their respective leagues, and I think... Just in terms of historical significance and historical performance, you'd probably say that they, you know, maybe Leipzig, not so much because they're quite new to the scene in Germany, aren't they? But say Sevilla are about where Everton would be in terms of historical stature in Spain. You'd say Atalanta are about where Everton would be in historical stature in terms of Italy. And the teams that have had their issues in recent years, that they've had their instabilities, 
But you look at them both now, and they are right there competing at the highest level. And they're not clubs that have spent huge amounts of money. They're a team, the teams that have sold the, the big players in recent years as well. And you sort of look at it and think, well, there's, there's clearly something that they're doing right, which it's a team like Everton. And a lot of teams in the Premier League aren't getting right. So looking at those sides, I suppose take Atalanta first because they're, they're the ones in action tonight. And again, this comes with a caveat that if they get beat by PSG 8 0, in about two and a half hours and you listen to the podcast. I am sorry about that, but they are they are good. Trust me, they are good. Uh, but they're one of the most exciting teams in, in European football. They're like, probably the most exciting team in European football. And they've done it on a shoestring. Um, yeah, I think when we, we go back with Atalanta, I think we talk about um, Everton's ill-fated Europa League group stage under Ron Koeman. I think me and you, Matt, we did the European football show then. I can't remember who we spoke to, but... We spoke to um, someone who watched it. What was his name? The fellow who supported Juventus. Um, Adam Bigby. That was her. Yeah. We spoke to Adam about, um, about Atalanta because we didn't actually know all that much about them, to be honest with you, because they were just out of nowhere, just suddenly um, all right. And we kind of went there expecting these will be a half-decent Italian outfit. And what we got was just not that at all. It was free-flowing attacking football that focused on width and transitional passing and just all sorts of combinations of free-floating number 10 that was just unpredictable. And that has not changed. Atalanta have reaped the benefits of signing a group of players before they hit their prime, keeping them together to actually create partnerships all over the pitch. And then as these players have now hit their prime, they are ready to actually perform at a very, very high level. They also benefit from having a manager who is just tactically the most complex manager probably in Europe at this point. Who just just has so many different plans up his sleeve. I think it was, um, it might've been um, Hosens, the the fullback who was speaking, I can't remember, he was interviewed um, a couple of weeks ago about, he finds the tactical side of the game so boring as a player, but Gasparini just does it in a way that there are results. So it becomes almost enjoyable to go through all the tactical elements that this man has within his playbook because they know that if they perform these little, just intricate passing movements, there is going to be a payoff at the end. It's just, what is it, the highest scoring team in Europe at points this season? Just They're just outstanding to watch. And with a number 10 who I think is the only player in Papu Gomez to get five assists. Oh, no, it's double figures assists in the last five seasons in the top five leagues, which is just a crazy little stat. Like, it's just, it's almost a constant supply of goals in that team. And what I find so remarkable is that their midfield and defensive unit reminds me of a bit of Sheffield United in that they are names that are entirely unremarkable but perform in really very different and interesting ways. Like, I think you look like to Martin Darun, who obviously flopped very massively at Middlesbrough and has gone on to be absolutely sensational in Syria. Like, if, if you haven't seen him play or heard his name since he was at Middlesbrough, then you would be so surprised at the way his career has gone. Great on um, Twitter as well, Eddie. He is very good on Twitter. Very, very good on Twitter. Like, he, there's nothing better when Martin Darun scores a goal or does something because you know there is something coming on Twitter the next couple of days. Um, when you look at the centre halves as well, it does. It reminds me of that sort of Sheffield United thing where it's like they get forward, but 
it's kind of in an underlapping sense to almost create space, do little bits to create a bit of space for someone, one of the number 10s or like one of the um, one of the wide players, the fullbacks to push on and actually affect the game positively. But that always comes with the discipline sense of the midfielders dropping back and those tactical elements that Gasparini puts together just make that side so interesting and just so diverse that the fact that they haven't actively had to tweak or change that much over the past few seasons is because their entire portfolio of attacking movements and defensive movements can be really just interchanged and switched around because the players are bonded so well together at this yeah. point. Such an interesting setup. Yeah, and it's not sort of relegating this back to, to Everton, Mike. And I think there's, there's probably some of Leipzig here as well. Maybe Sevilla, not so much. They, they, they have been a bit subject to change. But, you know, at Atalanta, I think it's, it's fair to say that it's not been... You know, a, a streamlined process for them under the Gasparini. You know, they have taken some hidings. They have had some poor, you know, results. They have lost some some crucial plays, and they've had to to make do every every now and then. But I think maybe where we look, we should look at these sides. You know, and, and you know, try and take some lessons. Is that they have been patient. They haven't flip flop between their ideologies. And even when things are going badly, they've looked at it and they've they've maintained faith in the project. They maintain faith. In the manager, and every now and then they've been off players haven't fitted with the ideology. But in the main, they've, they've kept lads there and they brought lads in who may not have succeeded elsewhere. But the managers looked at and they've gone, you know, he's malleable. He, I, I can get him to play in a certain way, or I can get him to, to do this, which somebody else wasn't doing. I mean, you were sort of speaking about this before we, we came on air today, and the, the thing you said to me was that you know ultimately we can we can keep talking about you know these players and, and what's going on at Everton, but a lot of this does just come back to recruitment, doesn't it? It, it really does. Like, the, the moves that have been made at clubs like Atalanta and Leipzig are not only smart, but smart in very, very almost obvious ways. And you look at the likes of taking someone like um, Duvan Zapata, who obviously just seemed like such a middle-of-the-road journeyman forward who could do a bit of a job holding the ball up for you. And he somehow turned himself into just a proper diverse forward in that in that setup and in a way that I don't think I could have ever seen him playing before. Just those moves that you look at in hindsight and you see the player fit so well into a system that they've been playing for so long. It's just, it's right in front of your face in a way that most people don't see. Me and you certainly wouldn't see it. It's just, that's why these people have paid a hell of a lot of money to pick those things. But as I said, it all comes back to very streamlined recruitment there because if you pick a player for a system, you are going to more often than not reap the benefits of that. If you're picking systems for players, then you're never going to get anywhere. And I think, well, both definitely both of these teams that we're talking about now, Leipzig and Atalanta, pick players to suit the system rather than the other way around. Yeah, and, and Sevilla as well, so to, to moving on to them before we, we, we broke this background to Everton. They've had a lot more change going on in recent years. You know, they've, they've had various managers since Unai Emery left. You know, they experimented with uh, San Paoli, didn't they? That, that sort of worked for a bit before before it didn't, you know, didn't really work at all. <laughs> After that season, when they briefly challenged uh, for the title. Um, since then, they've, they've tried different styles, different styles of coaches. Um, and, you know... They've landed on you and Lopetegui this season, who, of course, infamously lost his job as, as, as Real Madrid. Sorry, got the Real Madrid manager's job, lost his job as Spain manager before the World Cup started in 2018. 
Um, but I suppose the, the, the constant there, Mike, you might look at the players who go in and out the door. Um, again, they sell most of their key players for, for profit. Um, this is where I think you look at some, someone like Sevilla and it's, it's the significance and the importance of the director of the football model. You know, Monchi had a brief spell where he went away to Roma, but ultimately that fella has been the consistent force in that football club for a long time now. And listen, it's, it's not been enough for them to challenge Madrid or Barcelona, really. They've had flirtations with, with getting up the league and pushing for, for the title, but they've never been able to, to sustain it. But in the main, the recruitment he's done has allowed them to constantly challenge for trophies on a domestic uh, level, be you know, maybe the, the Copa del Rey, where they've got to you know, a few finals down the years as well. And certainly in European football, they are always there or thereabouts. And I think, for me, in, in terms of recruitment and the model I'd want to see Everton sort of look into to follow. It is them. And, you know, you look at their two centre-halves who played last night against Wolves, Diego Carlos and Koundé. They both arrived this summer um, for a combined total, I think, of €30 million. Euros. And if you're selling them this summer, Mike, how much do you think you're getting back for them, roughly? You, you're going to be, well, what, getting, what, 120 probably something like that? Yeah. But... Like, that's it. You've hit right on the point there. And you can look at both Leipzig and Sevilla in this sense, is that both of those players have come from France. You're looking at um, players who come from Nantes, players who come from Bordeaux. And that in itself is the director of football model to a T. Because right now, you look at Leipzig and you look at Nkuku and players like that, and... Um, Dressoni, the centre-half, I can never remember his name. Upamecano. Yeah, there you go. So you're going and you, you are buying young French players because there is just such a hotbed of talent there at the moment, whether it is actually French-born players who've just gone through those systems. There's just, there are so many players there to be found and it seems to, the directors of football really seem to have got the hooks into a lot of these places. But I would also say that you are right in the sense that these clubs while Leipzig is a strange one because they don't really have a sense of history, you look at the level Everton subscribe to be at at this moment. I wouldn't say they're at any of this level at the moment. Everton are nowhere near this level. They would have to have a very, very good summer to be even touching this level and to subscribe to anywhere near that. I think you have to recognise what you are. I think there is too much emphasis on the Hollywood signing. And you don't get that at any of these three clubs. What you get is smart recruitment. And more often than not, I'll I'll use an example now, is smart loans. We've got to look at, let's look at left-back for for Leipzig and left-back for um, Sevilla. You've got um, Regulon from Real Madrid who came to Sevilla. And you've got Angelino who came in on loan from Man City. And it's almost... Regulon, by all accounts, has been the best left-back in Spanish 40 this year. Exactly. Like you have to know where you are, and they these teams do not turn their nose up at improving a player for twelve months if it means the club improves. Doesn't matter if he's their player or not. If he has an excellent season, comes in, and then carries on, that's fine. If he's just going to play somewhere else that is higher echelon, that's fine because we can then go and take the next promising talent on loan from another position while we fill in this position and. Those sorts of moves are things that Everton embraced very, very rarely. I think the last time we probably saw it was when we brought in Gerard De La Feu and Romelu Lukaku. And look how well that worked out. Those sorts of moves, Everton seemed to have gone past and gone, no, we're a little bit better than that now. I, I, I don't think we should be improving other teams' players. When in, in actual 
fact, unfortunately, Everton have the reality that they aren't Hollywood. They aren't anywhere near Hollywood. And to get anywhere near, near there, if it means taking someone who may be Hollywood in two years for 12 months, that's the best you're going to do. And that really does help these sorts of teams out, knowing where they are. And it, do you think it comes back to a bit of the culture of each of those clubs as well? Because I think now, if you're a, if you're a young player coming through in, you know, a, you know, one of the say one of the best ten European leagues, and you've got a few players, you, you know, there's a bit of buzz around you, and you've got a few high-profile clubs after you. I, I think you, not only do you look at those clubs and say, you know, look at the players that have developed at Atalanta, look at the players that have developed at Sevilla. And Leipzig, you know, Dortmund are the ultimate example of this, aren't they? You know, if you're a young footballer between the age of 17 and 21 and you're a bit raw, but you've got all the tools to go to the top level, that's the club you want to go to because you'll be there for two or three years, you'll develop really well and they'll, they'll sell you eventually when the price is right in a few years' time because, you know, that is their niche, that is, that is what they're all about. But I think where Everton have tried to do that sometimes, Mike, in the past, and when you look at players like Sandro when he came in, Adamola Luckman, um, you mentioned Delafeu there. I think when he signed permanently, he was still twenty or, or twenty-one, something like that. You know, we, we've we've signed players in that bracket and they've come in. And sometimes it's because the player's not good enough, admittedly. But I look at us sometimes and I just think that the culture that's developed at Everton down the years in regards to the leaders in inverted commas in the dressing rooms, to the change of managers, to the difference in director of football, to the different styles. It's not just these players coming in and not being good enough. It's not, you know, the, the ground's not fertile for these lads to grow, if, if that makes sense. You know, think of them as seeds you put in some soil. You know, it's effectively putting them in, in, a, in a pot with no soil in, or, or you know, or rotten soil or, or waterlogged soil. It, it, it feels like that sort of thing. And I think before we, we look at, you know, I suppose we need to bring in better players, that goes without saying. But I also think we need to make sure that the players we bring in have got the best chance to, to develop in the same way as they would do at, at Atlanta, as they would do at Leipzig, and they would do at Sevilla as well. Because at the moment, it feels as though any player that comes to Everton, you'd have to say, more often than not, if you come to Everton and you're a young player and you've signed for a, a decent amount of money, the odds are you're going to fail. Yeah, it's almost it's quite an inverse thing at the moment is that the less money that Everton spend on players, it's almost the the more chance that they have at this point. You know, in a weird way, you look at the likes of um, Mason Hargate, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and those sorts of players, whereas look at someone like Moise Keane and you think it's almost as if that the framework is really not in place at the moment. I don't know if that's from the sense of, obviously because... Leipzig and Dortmund really do mark themselves, as you say, as those clubs that can really adapt to an international framework to welcome players from all around the world to come into a system, whether they are South Korean, whether they're English, whether they are Spanish, whether they're African. There, there are so many different players in, from different places that you could bring in and will gel quite nicely within those setups. And Everton don't really seem to subscribe to that at all. Obviously, I think it's a lot easier for English players to really transition into that mode because Everton just don't have that international framework and haven't got that culture right from a position of because those players will always see the club as a stepping stone and Everton sort of are off-footed by that slightly unless you've got a really jarring one like Romelu Lukaku who 
didn't really care at all and was just like, this is my career and we are just on completely different wavelengths now and it's just how it's going to be and I'm fine with that. Mm. Whereas some players don't quite seem to get that rapport back with Everton from an international sense. And I think that's one thing they've really struggled with. I don't think that's, I don't feel as though that's necessarily a, just an Everton thing. It feels like that's the case throughout the Premier League. You know, there's this, mm. there's this opinion, I think, from, from fans in most Premier League clubs that, you know, if, if any of those teams outside the top six sells one of their, their best players this summer, you know, you, you can absolutely guarantee if you went on a forum or you, you hashtag one of their, you know, EFC or LTFC or WHUFC, et cetera, et cetera, you would have people on, on, on there on those hashtags saying, well, you can't get anywhere or you can't challenge for anything if you keep selling your best players. And let's be honest, those clubs that we've, we've spoken about there approve that sort of bollocks. <laughs> and, you know, as, as much as it would be gutting if Richarlison left either this summer or next summer or Dominic, Dominic Carver-Lewin or Mason Holgate or potential great youngster we signed this summer who's, who has a, a trailblazing two years and goes. I think it's, maybe we need to get out of that mentality that, you know, we, we've got to cling on to these lads because if you've got the right tools in place, those sides on the continent have shown that you can reinvest and you can, you can build a better side and you can keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And while, you know, you're not going to be challenging for league titles necessarily, you know, let's be honest, we're a million miles away from that, yeah. That's that's not even sort of a club like Everton should be thinking about. It's about going from D to C at the moment, never mind from D to B or D to A. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think the mindset is a very big thing. And do you know what? That's a really hard thing to change. I, I completely understand that for people. But we spoke about this um, probably a couple of months ago and it was a conversation we had that was sort of prefaced with the idea of it's okay to sell players. I, there, yeah. there doesn't always have to be a sense of um, animosity or failure on the part of Everton. Obviously, you can look back at some certain ones and say, and categorically say, it's a failure. But when you look at someone like Romelu Lukaku, it didn't have to be a failure to sell Romelu Lukaku, which even two years after he went, Farhad Mashiri treated it as a failure and Steve Walsh treated it as a failure, even though it was on the it was on the cards for well over a year before it happened. And those sorts of things really do need to change from fan to owner to director. And I think that bringing in Marcel Brands is good in this respect because he is someone who well, obviously does understand that because he's done it so many times before at PSV. He's worked within that model. It is okay to sell players and actually then reinvest that money because it can be done properly and it can be done well. I think the issues arise when you have people above you, necessarily above you, who really jar with that and the idea that they almost think that it's a bit of a slight if someone like Chelsea or Man United come in for their players and just take them off them and just go, yeah, or if RB Leipzig want to sign the youngster that Everton want to play, it seems almost a bit of a slight at that point where you're like, you almost fight tooth and nail against it for an entire summer instead of going, okay, let's negotiate the best deal we can and also work a way we can reinvest that quite smartly because that's the way that it should be done because without that effort going into almost just kicking and screaming against the tide you can actually work together to actually put together a life raft to get you out of the situation in the first place yeah. but I suppose that one of the other issues Everton have got is that aside from Richarlison and maybe Carver-Loon and maybe 
amazing holidays. Look at the as well. You know, there's not a huge amount of assets there, is there? And you know, it feels as though if, if we're going to sell anybody on for, for big money in, in the coming, you know, the coming years, then we have to go through the door this summer or or in January. Uh, I've had a few comments on on um, on YouTube. Have you got any thoughts on this? By the way, please do get in touch. Uh, we're after everyone's point of view, uh, questions, etc., etc. Uh, Wayne Harrison said, are you all right, lads? Yeah, I'm fine. Just a bit hot. Um, probably tell by the, the flatness of my hair. I am gradually starting to melt as this goes Honestly, on. I'm, I'm sinking into the seat here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. No. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what, Mike? Tried to get other people on tonight, but you know, me and you were the only ones who wanted to sit indoors and talk about everything's transfer strategy. I think everybody else is out enjoying the sun. I think we need to reassess things, don't we? Probably do need to reassess. We should have probably just done this outside, thinking about it. Although we want to be on YouTube, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll reassess that going forward. Uh, Chris Hammond has said, uh, "Away amber blue amber, uh, third kit all black with salmon pink sash, uh, and at home blue white white." Now, I, I am all for the, getting the black watch kit back. By the way, yeah, like that. That would be one I'd, I'd absolutely love to see. Me and me and Mark and, and Nick made a. We had, we had that on our flag for the Wembley semi-final in 2009. Don't know where it is now, but um, teams that play in green, uh, Chapacuense playing all green, and Saint Etienne are all green too. Saint Etienne, that's a good shout, that. That is a good shout. Uh, give us your thoughts on teams to play in all green. Uh, we'll say at the start of the show, we're not entirely sure if there are any uh, out there. Uh, Sam Johnson has said, if we could only sign one midfielder in this window, which one would you go for? Um, I'm going to add within reason to the end of that mic for you. Um, <laughs> I, I think my choice would probably be Mark Rocker from Espanol. Or, I don't know, see, I, I, I'd go one of two ways. I think there are two very different options I would go with, depending on how everything's going to play next season. If you want to play in a 4-4-2, I'd say Frank Zamboangisa from Fulham, who has been playing at Villarreal for the past season. You get him for about twenty-five million pounds, about the price that Everton are rumoured to be able to spend on players at max. Um, he's had a very, very good season. He was deployed very badly at Fulham. Um, to be honest with you, if I was Fulham, I'd keep him. I'd bring him back to the Premier League, play him properly, because that fellow would be worth fifty million pounds upwards next season if he has a good season. Um, I like he's going to go to Villarreal apparently because they've signed Pereo and Cochran, haven't they? Yeah, there's not. I don't think there's any chance he goes there. And the, the agreed fee was about twenty-two million pounds to make it permanent. And obviously, Villarreal's finances are not, are not there to make that deal. And they're getting, I think, was it Pereo and Cochran for about eight million quid or yeah, something? I mean, talk is, about talk about good business, my word. I mean, there you go, it's cracking that. But um, I think if Everton want to change and play. Um, a bit of a 4-3-3 next season um, or a 4-2-3-1 or, or whatever way you want to play it. Um, I would say Mark Rocker would be my choice because I think a midfield three of Mark Rocker, um, JP Gabamin and Andre Gomez could work quite nicely because you have, you've got a player who is, I would say, similar to Rodri in many respects. He's not the combative midfielder that I think he's been spoken about in terms of can do a bit of everything. But the fellow's passing range is phenomenal. He's an excellent sitting midfielder who will just keep Everton ticking over. And I would give anything to be able to see an Everton midfielder pass the ball properly. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like him. He's sort of, whenever I've watched him a little bit, or, or, you know, the, the play I'm going to compare him to it didn't work out for him in, in English football, but a bit like Roque Messer when he was when he was doing really well. Uh, he was yeah. a lost, lost Palmas, wasn't he, in, in La Liga? He came to 
And there was Swansea, didn't he? But didn't, didn't, Swansea, yeah. Didn't quite yeah. work out for him. But then he went back to Seville and did all right again for, for a little bit. But, uh, he did. But he would, he would definitely be my choice because his price, he, he's got a relegation release clause there. I think it's about €30 million. Euros, so about that price that Everton seemed to be okay with spending. Um, so it, that is the cheapest it's ever going to be. Rumours began to buy him last summer. Again, he's another one. You got him in for that price now. It's a bit of a leap of faith, obviously, but I think there are two options there, depending on how you want to play. That if you brought them in and they had good seasons, they would be worth upwards of fifty million pounds within the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. We had another question uh, from Dan. Uh, he said, "Brands excelled at the buy low, sell high model at PSV." But Everton, most but sorry, but Everton, most of the signings have been thirty million pound players. We've all heard of. Do you think he's under pressure from Machiri to buy big players in inverted commas? In, interesting one, that actually, isn't it? And, you know, Machiri's obviously been one to get involved in transfer dealings in in the past. And, you know, he's, he's made he's made clear that he's you know, been involved in negotiations. Uh, perhaps it wouldn't be a huge surprise if that was the case. Um, yeah, obviously, there's there's only so much you can you can comment on that without actually being in the room to know, but from what we've heard from people who do actually know their onions and this sort of thing, it does seem like Farhad Mashiri is the sort of fella who calls up Marcel Brands at two o'clock in the morning asking him if Everton can sign Philip Coutinho. Don't know about you, but that gives me the willies a little bit. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I don't know. you get a call from Farhad Mashiri at two in the morning? Oh, it's send, send me west that you know <laughs> good evening marcel um that, yeah send me west um i think that obviously it has to be caveated by the fact that he bought low and sold high mainly because he was at psv eindhoven it is yeah. much harder to buy low in the premier league no matter who the player is you, you could be a League Two player like Jared Branthwaite and you will need to be paying upwards of a million pounds to secure that young player. Yeah. Or if you want to sign someone like Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, then you are looking at £20 million to sign that player with a year left on his deal. It's much harder for a Premier League club. And I think the one thing that we do have to preface this entire chat with, we probably should have said at the start when we look at the likes of the successful models as Sevilla, Dortmunds, Atalanta's, Leipzig's, um, the fees that they pay are a lot less because the Premier League tax straight away is ridiculous. Yeah. You've, only, you've only got to look at the, the money that United complain about having to spend every year because they are Manchester United and there is a Manchester United tax, etc., etc. Well, it's the same for the entirety of the Premier League. If you win that market, you have to pay bigger money. And if those players do fail, then it's a lot more glaring because it's a lot harder to get rid of them because of the wages they are on, which are just so big, much bigger than anywhere else in Europe. But going back to the question, I think I do think there is a sense of pressure on him to be within that Hollywood bracket. I, like I said before, I, I think it jars from the level of ownership to the level of directorship is you've brought someone in to really steer the ship, to do a job that he's done before. And to me, the best owner is a silent owner. It's someone who just sits back and lets the people get on with what they are there to do. Yeah, totally agree, mate. Uh, one final, final thing before we wrap up today. Uh, so you tweeting about this earlier, uh, probably towards the end of last week, actually. Uh, Anthony Robertson looks like he's going to Sheffield United. Uh, sorry, yeah, for about £2 million from, from Wigan. Um, obviously, someone who knows the club has been through the academy, uh, was let go, has uh, done all right in the championship by all accounts. Um, and obviously, a lot of people sort of saying, why weren't Everton in the, in the market for him? Um, 
I suppose it would have made sense, but you know, it's, there are other things to consider here with this one. Arthur, I suppose mainly what the, the player player himself would have been thinking about it. Oh, Mike! Mike is gone. Mike is not there at the moment. Uh, we'll try and get him back uh, before we wrap up today. Uh, but yeah, just on, on Anthony Robinson, uh, um, as somebody who I do like as a player. Uh, Mike, are you there again? Yeah, you're back. We're here, we're here. Did you hear yeah. my question about Andy Robinson? No? Hello? There we go. We'll, we'll give Mike one more chance. Uh, maybe he was that annoyed by potentially asking about Andy Robinson and he's decided to, to jib it off. Uh, but yeah, uh, we are pretty much out of time on today's show anyway. Uh, cheers to Mike. I hope you enjoyed that discussion on all things European football. Uh, if you want to check out the rest of the stuff we've got coming on this week, uh, we have got Kickabout, which is coming out tomorrow. Uh, I'll be myself and Kate Riley james on that with Rob Vera. We've also got a transfer show on Friday coming up. Uh, me and Rob will be on that one as well, uh, along with Mike Greenall, who I'm sure you've all seen has done some excellent pieces for the Toffee Analysis. Uh, Mike is back now. Uh, just like, yeah, Mike Green always on a Friday with me and Rob. Finally, finally, Mike, just before we do go, and yeah. Anthony Robinson for the third time. Yeah. Would you like to see Everton go back in for him? Absolutely. I mean, it, it would have been a no brainer of a deal. Um, what has he gone for? £2 million, is it? Yeah. Sure. You'd look at an, an unexpected issue arising in that left back position. You think you need a player who you know fits into the club structure, who fits into the culture of the club, who has relationships with many of the people there. You don't need to do very many tests into the player's attitude because you know people who've worked there before. He's homegrown. He wouldn't have commanded anywhere near the wages Leighton Baines does. He left because he was getting nowhere near the first team. I'm sorry, but he would have been in exactly the same situation here that he will be in at Sheffield United because he'll be behind Ender Stevens straight away, who is pretty good fullback by all accounts. Um, he would come into that setup straight away and be like, right, you are the second choice left back fight for that shirt that, that would I think if you went to him with that setup, you you couldn't have gone far wrong and it would have been a smart sign for me I think yeah I, t- I tend to I think it would have been an easy one where you can just say you know we'll, we'll get him in he knows a lot about the club he's, he's going to play the odd game here and now and then and we don't have to really worry about left back next season That that's absolutely fine you know you've got Luca Dean who's one of the best in the league and then We've got two two young lads who'll be brought in in the summer who can sort of adjust that off for, for that second spot. But I don't know, maybe he sort of looked at it and gone, well, Everton let me go once, didn't think I was good enough then. You know, maybe a new challenge. Maybe he's looked at it and thought Sheffield United finished higher in the league table last season. Uh, showed a bit more interest and intent in me. Um, I'm going to go there. Uh, these things are, are multi-layered, of course. But uh, yeah, we are out of time now. I'm actually going to wrap this up now. Uh, Mike did join us there for some, some crucial Anthony Robertson insights. I'm sure you all appreciate that. Uh, thanks very much to everyone who got involved in the comments. Thanks very much to everybody who listens to this on the podcast as well. Like I said, we've got a lot of stuff coming up this week here on The Blue Room. Do check it out and we'll speak to you again soon. Cookie wants to be a professional wrestler. I'm Cookie Serratos and I'm 11 years old. She also wants to win all the medals. That's why Cookie and her family make every day count, squeezing out her best with Go-Go Squeeze. Okay, Cookie, let's break for a Go-Go Squeeze. Go-Go Squeeze fruit-on-the-go pouches are a nutritious snack made from 100% fruit with no sugar added. Go, Cookie! Because when you nurture your kids, you squeeze out the best in them. Squeeze out their best with Go-Go Squeeze. Not a low-calorie food. Products range from 11 to 13 grams of sugar and 60 to 70 calories per serving. 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.